Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Welcome back, tree and nature lovers. Before we talk forest bathing, don't forget to send for your free tree seeds as part of the Davy Planting Project in celebration of Arbor Day. All you need to do is send an email requesting the seeds to this address. It's podcasts, that's plural, at davy.com. Let me spell that. P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at davy, D-A-V-E-Y.com. We'll get those seeds right out to you. For our third week of our celebration of Arbor Day, welcoming Jason Henning, research urban forester from the Davy Institute to the show. How are you, Jason? I'm good, Doug. So today's topic is all about forest bathing. That's a new term for me, but it just sounds to me like running around in the woods when I was a kid, how much I enjoyed time with the trees. How How do you interpret forest bathing? Yeah, I think I, I probably come down uh, the same place you do. I know that there's really a, sort of a technical definition, and it, it comes from uh, you know almost a little bit of a spiritual background. But uh, you know, maybe that's all where we get started when we wander in the woods, anyway. So uh, you know, I, I guess I don't think about it that way. But anytime in the woods or outside for me uh, counts. Did you spend a lot of time in the woods as a kid? Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the woods. I think it's, uh, you know, we had small patches of woods near near our house. We build forts, uh, you know, dig big holes, try and trap animals that probably weren't there, you know, all that sort of stuff. Now that's forest bathing. <laughs> so let's just talk about the benefits of being out in nature, being out in the forest. I mean, I think everybody knows that it's, you know, a wonderful feeling to spend time out there in the quiet. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I sort of mentioned that the kind of the forest bathing, the real um, sort of historical way it's been thought of kind of comes from a little bit of a spiritual meditation background. But there's a whole bunch of science on the other side uh, in recent years that show all sorts of benefits. Uh, just being around green things, you know, it, maybe it's in the forest proper. Maybe it's just being able to see green out your window. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff around uh, reducing uh, stress and, uh, you know, cortisol levels and all sorts of really technical scientific stuff. Um, you know, and, and we've done some research uh, with the U.S. Forest Service folks around uh, green space and reducing crime. Um, and then there's just benefits, uh, you know, around trees removing air pollution. You know, anytime we can breathe cleaner air, uh, you know, that's going to have some benefits for us, too. Um, so, yeah, there's really a, a kind of a growing body of research, uh, you know, where the science sort of meets the spiritual. It seems like, uh, you know, if that's the way we can go make everybody happy, uh, then we should do it. Well, you mentioned small forests. Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, we've got uh, we've been doing some some work just looking around uh you know, since we know that trees have benefits and forests have benefits, uh, the idea is how do we get people to those benefits? So we did some work to see kind of how 
forests are distributed on the landscape, especially where they uh, connect with people. You know, we're talking about urban areas. We're getting more and more people living in urban areas. Um, so here on the East Coast, sort of uh, between the I-95 corridor from D.C. up to Boston, we looked at just what are the size patches of forests that most people have available. You know, we think about big national forests and big parks, but what we found that was about half of the people, their nearest forest is six acres or smaller. So most of what we have is kind of really small patches, uh, you know, around these urban uh, areas, but they provide all the same benefits. You know, you can still get in there and be surrounded by green and be in, be in nature and get some of those benefits around uh, reduced stress levels and all sorts of things like that. And what about uh, something called eye tree that you told me about before we came on? Sure. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the work we do, uh, you know, I kind of mentioned this with those small patches is we want to get to uh, how do we relate uh, where the trees are and how many trees we have so that we can make them of benefit to the most people. Uh, so one of the tools we have that we work on with the U.S. Forest Service uh, it's actually a suite of tools called iTree, uh, and anybody can go in there. That we have a website, iTreeTools.org. You can put in trees around your house, and you can estimate the benefits that they're providing to you. Things like uh, air pollution removal. Um, you know, maybe they help you reduce your heating and cooling costs. Uh, you know, that has some stress relieving uh, aspects to it too. So, um, you know, all sorts of things along those lines that you can estimate with these iTree tools and get an idea of. Uh, the benefits of trees, especially close to uh, where you live uh, in particular. Well, I, I saw on an email we sent back and forth to each other that you are the first PhD that I have interviewed uh, on the podcast. Tell me how you got interested in, in this as your way to make a living. Sure, sure. Uh, so... Um, yeah, we talked a little bit how I, I like to spend time outside. Uh, so I, as a kid and when I first started in school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I figured uh, uh, I like outside. I like trees more than people. So I would move towards that that kind of thing. So uh, I got a degree in uh, natural resource management, uh, but I had an advisor who, who kind of uh, decided that I was good at math. So he kind of set me on a path uh, to start doing some grad work and I, I moved around to a couple of different places and um, uh, I actually got my PhD in a, a subset of forestry called forest biometrics, um, which is uh, kind of real math and statistics heavy. Uh, so, you know, I was as far away from people as possible uh, with that kind of uh, focus um, and really out there in the woods measuring trees and, you know, measuring how much timber we were producing and things like that. Um, but then I had an opportunity to, to move back close to home. So I was down in, uh, Tennessee and had an opportunity to move back, uh, near, uh, actually back into the city of Philadelphia. And I grew up near there and my family's here. Um, and it was this urban forest research position. So, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for me. Um, but now, you know, my concern is so much more around people and how we get them close to the trees rather than just worrying about the trees and avoiding the people. So it's been, uh, it's been good for me, for sure. It's, it's super fun to, to see all different sorts of folks connect with trees and the, the benefits they provide. Well, what else can we talk about when we're regarding urban forestry? Because that really sounds interesting to me. You know, we started with thinking that, that people in the city were in these certain areas you were studying 
could find six acres of forest. To me, sounds that sounds like a lot of forest in in the city, but of course, me living out uh, away from the city, you know, six acres is is nothing. Uh, what else? What else have you learned about urban forestry? Sure. So, uh, urban forestry, you know, it hasn't been around nearly as long as kind of traditional forestry. And and really, when we talk about urban forest, we're talking about all the trees in the city. So they can, these can be, you know, just street trees or even really small patches. Some of the, the really cool stuff that we've found and that researchers uh, where I work in Philadelphia found that just kind of taking vacant lots and turning them into green spaces with a tree or two and a fence and some grass really has a lot of those benefits that we talk about with forest bathing. So they've done things like put uh, heart rate monitors on folks and, and had them walk by vacant lots that have been cleaned up and greened and then by, you know, sort of what you would more typically consider a vacant lot. And just those tiny pieces of forest are enough to lower heart rates, uh, lower cortisol levels and that sort of thing. So there's, there's really, um, you know, uh, we talk about forests and, and, you know, if you're really out in the forest, you may not think of street trees as part of your forest, but if you're in a city, those street trees are really doing a lot of the work. I mean, there, there are hundreds of people passing under them every day, uh, you know, kind of enjoying the shade and the green space. So, um, you know, urban forests become a really interesting place to work uh, when you kind of start to think about how they interact with the people who are there um, and kind of the all different pieces of those urban forests from kind of natural spaces to just a single street tree out front of a house. When you're thinking about adding trees in an urban environment, what are some of your favorite types to, to put in? I mean, what do we have to think about? Does it have to be super tough or, or can it be a tree we'd, we'd grow out, you know, 10 miles from the city? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, even within a city, there's tons and tons of variability. So if you're looking at like a street tree, uh, you know, they've got those really small pits that might be six feet by six feet or eight feet by eight feet. You're going to need something tough there because, you know, there's going to be snow plows piling snow up there and salt and, uh, you know, all the air pollution from the car. So you are going to need something tough in those situations. Um, but there's been enough research around that, uh, that we've got a lot of uh, kind of tougher trees and, and they're doing great work uh, putting them out there and, and uh, you know, still having them be interesting on the landscape, but able to survive under city conditions. But, you know, if you've got a nice open yard, there's no reason not to plant a big uh, red oak or something that can get really big like that. Cause that's another thing that we know is that the bigger stature trees are going to provide you with more benefits. You know, they're going to provide you with more shade and more green space. Um, so you plant those big trees where you have opportunity, but, um, you know, where we're, where you don't, we really do have some options for some uh, tough trees that'll make it out there. Yeah. So let's say that you are, or you're standing there on the street and you're looking at this pit with a bunch of other people and, and, <laughs> and you know that that snowplow is going to be throwing salt and stuff on it. And you look at each other and say, what are we going to plant here? What, what can you plant there? I think, uh, you know, it, there's been a, a lot of work on that and they're always trying to get, uh, you know, more diversity. So uh, always thinking in that way is really good. You know, if, if you think back to things like Dutch elm disease, where we had beautiful boulevards with elms on both sides, um, you know, if Dutch elm disease came through, you had no trees. And it's the same thing with emerald ash borer. We've lost huge, uh, you know, street trees. But 
Um, so variety is always good, but you know, we see lots of things like uh, honey locusts these days. Um, uh, they're being real intentional about planting uh, smaller trees, uh, especially under wires and things like that where it's appropriate. Um, and there's still, you know, old favorites like the uh, London Plain is still one of the most popular trees. Kind of any any big city you go to, you're going to find London Plains. And it's because they are so tough, um, you know, they can survive and thrive in those uh, urban situations. But, um, you know, then there's also cool research. Even I mentioned the elms before, but there are hybrid elms that they're starting to try and plant uh, in in cities and in tree pits, uh, you know, street tree uh, pits specifically. So uh, some of that stuff may come back as well uh, as we move forward here in the next couple of decades. And that's a really interesting point that you made about diversity, because for all those years, it was standard practice. You know, we want a row of the same thing down the road everywhere. It's got to look the same. But now we don't want that. We, you know, you're saying we want diversity. And and when you bring up honey locust, it, it's interesting because for somebody like me who grew up with a honey locust, you know, at the at the edge of the driveway, I just remember sitting underneath that thing and watching the bees do their 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 thing on the tree and, and the, just the smell of it. I love a honey locust, but not everybody not everybody does. Everybody has their own favorite trees. You know, that's almost something we can take advantage of if you talk about diversity. If everybody's got their own kind of different favorite tree, um, you know, maybe that's where we can go. Because, you know, lots of times cities will put out these tree lists of uh, suggested trees. And, um, you know, it, it's it's tough for folks to picture what those are. But if you've got a favorite tree already and, you know, it and it works for your location, um, you know, that can be a great way to go. I know... Here in Lancaster, we've actually got a really cool uh, spot where the city arborist planted all the street trees that they recommended in just a little plot. So you can go by and you can look at all of them side by side and say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I'm not a tree expert, but I recognize that little uh, uh, bald cypress or whatever it happens to be there. And, you know, I'd like to see something like that on my street. And it's a it's a really cool spot. Um, I like walking around there, even though I know all the trees. Uh, it's just cool to see them all side by side. Uh, just, you know, another thing that I think is really cool is that there's more interest in planting actual fruit bearing trees, uh, fruit and nut bearing trees in cities. Uh, you know, there, there was a lot of worry uh, that they make a big mess. Um, but, you know, people really like them. They really, you know, if there's one on your block and, uh, you know, it just becomes something that people are interested in. And, and again, it gets people tied into the ideas of trees. Uh, and the benefits they provide in trees and urban spaces. Well, I love that idea of, of being able to see the trees. When you're in that area, are you ever there when people are just looking around and saying, what's this? What's that? Or I like this. I like that. And then you can jump in kind of like Superman. Uh, that is happens to be a... <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I hope for. But yeah, no, I haven't actually uh, seen anybody quite as interested as I am. But, uh, you know... <laughs> I'll keep hanging out there and we'll see see if anybody else shows up. So let's get back to forest bathing as what how we interpret forest bathing. Like you said, technically it's it's is it going out in into the woods and actually sitting there and and actually, you know, doing a meditation or can forest bathing be accomplished by just walking a trail through a forest? What what do you think? 
Yeah, no, I think there, I think it can be accomplished with some flexibility for sure. I think, you know, I, there are benefits to going out there and being quiet and, and meditating, but I think there's benefits to all of it. You know, anytime you can get outside is good. And, and, you know, if you can get outside with maybe just a little more uh, mindfulness or attention, you know, especially, you know, if it's a place you go to all the time, uh, you can really pay attention to how it changes through the seasons or something like that. And, you know, even just that kind of little thing uh, can help you kind of calm down and stop thinking about all the other stuff we have going on all the time. So, you know, I think you can definitely get outside any way you can. And, you know, if you can remember to take a deep breath, I think you're you're definitely helping yourself. So, Well, Jason, that is great advice. That's where we're going to leave it today. Thanks again for all the wonderful information. And uh, I, I learned a lot today. Thanks again. Great. Great to talk to you, Doug. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, we'll continue our month-long celebration of Arbor Day with some great stories, interesting interviews, including an important Earth Day episode revolving around environmental justice. Don't forget to email podcasts, that's plural, at davy.com, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S, at davy, D-A-V-E-Y.com, for your free tree seeds as part of the Davy Planting Project. You've got until April 30th, and we'll send those seeds right out to you. And as always, on the Talking Trees podcast, we know the trees are the answer.